0: Well, I want you to uh, go with me over to Galatians chapter 3, and what we're spending several weeks on is the the concept that you and I are the wells of life that God intends people to draw from. Uh, We're not just simply people who are saved and going to heaven, and and that wonderful for us, but the Lord actually has ordained that we would be the place in uh, interacting with people that people would find the same life that we enjoy. It's kind of selfish if you think about it for us to have this amazing life and not share it with somebody else. Or have this amazing content on the inside of us by the Spirit of God and not let other people draw from that well, draw from that goodness. It's an amazing privilege, isn't it, to have what we have. We are very blessed people with not just understanding, you know, what it means to be saved, but understanding all that goes with that covenant that we are blessed with. So what I want to do is is kind of go a little bit further down the road tonight and talk to you about how we become that well. We mentioned to you at the outset that we are the well. The first key is, of course, revelation, understanding that you are the well. Uh, Jesus, of course, is our Savior, but you and I have been given that same spirit, and that same spirit is is operative and on the job, isn't he? He's working. Uh, He's working to draw men. He's working to convict us. He's, He's working to open up our eyes. And we're also going to be talking about the empowerment. In other words, what's the content of that well? We need to understand what He's actually put on the inside of us that benefits people uh, that we come in contact with. Then we're going to talk about connection because unless we're connected to the Lord in vital or living contact, we have nothing to offer. In other words, what's on the inside will become stale and dead very quickly if we don't stay in living contact with Him. And the fourth principle is about availability. What difference does it make if you and I are live wires if we're never available for people? If we don't hear and then do what the Lord says. You know, the Bible says of Jesus that he only did what he saw the Father do and he only said what he heard the Father saying. Well, that's the key. You you stay in, in union with him and so when he speaks, you move. But It's availability. You know, like when Philip was told to leave the great revival at Samaria and then go meet this one individual. You know, people today can't say things like, well, I want to be where the crowd's at. I want to be where, you know, I can make a name. I want to be where I can be used the most. Well, you can be used the most for God sends you. And history tells us in, in the annals of the early church, history tells us that this Ethiopian went back and reached an entire nation, influenced the entire household. Uh, That royal place. And so we think of, you know, Ethiopia today, you know, not in the same kind of spiritual temperature. But how do you know that can change again? If he did it once, can he not do it again? If through one person he can reach a nation, can he not? Yes. What's happening in Africa is very, very interesting because God is using uh, secular leadership to put the foot down and the stake down for Jesus Christ. Uh, we've seen this happen in Nigeria and other places where the president said, guess what? I'm a born-again you know, believer, I'm spirit-filled, and this is a Christian nation. When the leader does that, it gives God full authority, right, and liberty to come in there and do whatever he wants to do. It opens up doors that would not normally be open. So that's just one of the methodologies. But the real key to this last amazing end-time harvest and third great awakening is not you coming to see a well perform or go to a physical location so that you can draw more out of the well, but you being the well. Say it with me, I am the well. Come on, say it like you mean it, I'm the well. Who made you the well? The Lord has made you the well. If you are born again, uh, you don't need to be thinking in terms of the rest of your life, you know, where can I go and suck some more out because I'm dry or need more. You and I are filled to the gills. You are the most highly trained body of Christ, in the history of the body of Christ. I'm talking about around the world, around the country. Uh, you have far more training in things of the Spirit and the Word than most of those leaders in the earth the church had. The question is, what are we going to do with it? So availability is very, very important that we, we go when he says go, we do what he says do, we minister every single day, not just trying to say, well, I serve uh, this way in the church, and I do this and volunteer for the church. No, you need to be on the active ready every day. You never know who's going to cross your path. You think, what do I have? All you have to do is be available. You'll be amazed that what's in you is more than enough to meet the need that's in that person. And so when we talk about this, we're not just talking about there's a well of salvation and forgiveness of sins. I want to just be very, very blunt about this today and set this up with you. Um, You and I have a lot. Matthew 10 and 42 says this, And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I'd say to you, the person will certainly not lose their reward. We think in terms of grandiose things. The Lord says simplicity is the way to mark a person's life forever. A cup of cold water. How I many you know there's more than a cup of cold water in us? Look at somebody and tell them, you're a tall drink of water. Hallelujah. You got something there. Amen. I was just telling my mom today, I think I'm still growing vertically. She goes, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> She also told me that she didn't get to see me when I was first born because there were issues and complications. She told me that the placenta landed right on my face. I I responded to her without even thinking, well, I guess I was a mess from the very beginning, wasn't I then? (laughs) She goes, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you were a mess. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. But uh, you and I uh, have a lot inside of us. Sometimes you get up and the devil tells you what do you have to offer. That's a a very well-crafted and placed and timed lie to keep you down. He is absolutely terrified that you're going to wake up one day and discover who you really are, what you have on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And it's not just I'm saved and going to heaven. I'm telling you that if you just see this in that one dimension, it'll hold you back. Everything, that you need to meet every need in this planet is, is available. If you, of course, are born again, if you're empowered, if in fact you're connected to him in a vital union, if you're available to him. A lot of people are, uh, are, are aware of these things that they have on the inside of them. They just need to maybe work on their availability. Other people aren't even born again yet, so they're not even qualified to be well. How many you know you can't be a blessing unless you're what? Unless you are blessed yourself. You cannot be a well unless you're actually born again. So I want to start by by talking to you for a few moments about about the Western mindset of what it means to be a Christian versus what happens when you understand that you have a, a, a Judaic Christian foundation, you have a Jewishness about you, and you must understand that you have a better covenant right now But you must understand what it means to have participated in that first covenant, what the benefits were of that first covenant. Because a lot of times, and here's what I see, I see Americans, they have this mentality that, Jesus just landed in the West and there's no connection to the past, there's no connection to the other covenants, there's no connection to, to his Jewishness. And so we 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 you know we just fast forward you know to the 1970s to a little sixth, seventh graders, you know, Sunday school class with a felt board and and here's Jesus and he died on the cross for our sins, and if you repent you go to heaven, and somehow that's where a big chunk of the Western church is stuck. They don't reference actually what comes before it, and they don't have any concept that it starts with being forgiven. But there's so much more to this life. There's so much more to what's on the inside of you than that. And that's fine if you have that understanding. Yeah, praise the Lord, I'm going to heaven, hallelujah. I I believe what I saw on the felt board, you know, this Western Christian idea that it's about being saved and going to heaven, praise the Lord, we're going to heaven, praise the Lord, everything's going to be all right for us. That's just scratching the surface about where we're supposed to be really. And so what you have to do is think about if if something was included in the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David and Moses, our forefathers and patriarchs, you still have access to everything they have access to. Plus what you have in Jesus Christ. You understand this? Jesus doesn't take anything away from the covenants that are established. He adds to that. So what's on the inside of you is first and foremost spiritual, but it's also natural. It's also mental and emotional and material. It affects every dimension. And what you're going to find out is um, the needs out there are diverse. Now, everybody needs Jesus. Look at somebody and say, everybody needs Jesus. (laughs) Look at somebody again and say, everybody needs Jesus. But not everybody's going to have the same need. You could run into somebody in, in town and, and, you know, they're an orthopedic surgeon and, you know, they, they push to thousand to a $1 million, even in a small town like this, in income. So how you understand that may not be their greatest need. But they may have a serious issue in their marriage. Or they may have a child who's you know, completely rebellious to anything they would say or do. Or someone in their family may have a health issue. Or that person may have a health issue. It's not related to the function of, of what they do, but they still have a need in their life. I want to remind you that Jesus died for all of it. It used to be, you know, it's kind of a vernacular joke, but you know, what does AG stand for in the symbols of God? We used to say all the gospel. Everybody say all the gospel. all the gospel. And if you're going to talk about all the gospel, you're going to have to explain what that gospel actually is. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, man hears the first words that a human being ever heard. Wouldn't that be amazing if you could find out what God first said to man? Oh, I'm glad you feel that way because we can. We can actually go to the Word and find out what God actually said to a man. So before we go into Galatians 3, go back to Genesis 1. Look at somebody again and tell them, "You're you're a tall drink of water. In uh, Genesis 1, verse uh, 26, then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now, that authority has never been abated in the life of the believer. In fact, it's been restored through Jesus Christ. So make up your mind that you're still not living on the other side of forgiveness. That you're not living in your mind on the other side of restoration. He goes on to saying, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, The very first words that a human being ever heard were what? Words of the blessing. Words of the blessing. God said. Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves on the ground. And Lord God said, I gave you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit within, with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and the birds of the air and the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it. Look at some Isaiah, say, even includes the creeps everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. Now, what you have to understand is he used that occasion, the first thing came out of his mouth was, you know what, I know you're all going to fail me, a bunch of losers. I've looked down through time, and look what you're going to do. I've gone through all this effort, you know, and I've created everything, and i will put you in here. And according to Josephus, everything that pertains to man's highest good and best life he put in that garden for man. I know you're going to mess it up, but here we go. No, the very first words out of his mouth were words of the blessing. And write this down. The blessing of God is simply this, the empowerment to succeed, literally. Uh, If God blesses you, you have the power to succeed. It doesn't make any difference what it is. If you are blessed of God, you have the power to succeed in every dimension of your life, spiritually, spiritually. Financially, physically, mentally, emotionally. From the very beginning, the mind of God was not that man would just be saved, you know, spiritually. If all he cared about was man's spirituality, he never would have made them how? With physicality. You say, he had to? No, he didn't have to do anything. Can you give me an example, anybody tonight, of a a race of being that has no physicality? Class, can we say angels ministering spirits who minister on behalf of those who are heirs of salvation? Uh, he made us, though, in this, in this multidimensional fashion, and he cares about every... How, how unjust would it be for God to say, create a body for us and then not provide? Let's see how long they last, just for fun. no. He made us and he cares about every dimension. And not only that, he gave them seed and dominion, his very breath, his very life. He gave them authority because he wanted them to succeed. In other words, he gave them the blessing, the power to succeed. And everything was going along great for one chapter. (laughs) Did Did it well for one chapter. And then comes Genesis 3. And the one thing he tells them not to do. You know, people are the same way today. There's a tree in the garden. Think of that as the tithe. Don't touch it. It's mine. And what's the very thing the enemy begins to move on the mind of Eve about? Flirting with that tree, listening to the voice that's hanging around that tree... And you can see that everything was great. Now, why is this important? Write this down. It's called the Law of First Mention. Whatever you think the scripture says, five chapters later, ten books later, a thousand years later, you've got to square your thinking and interpretation with the law of first words. Because when you hear God say something for the first time, everything that follows has to square with that because God is not a God that is confused or contradicts himself. Now, Revelation will cause some people to think that there's a there's some kind of a dichotomy in the things of God or the nature of God. For example, somebody looks at the Old Testament and they open it up and they see a God who actually does, you know, inflict justice. And that's after, for example, the people... Jonah was called to minister to. God was very patient with him. How many understand? He sends Jonah in there and he says, 40 days from now, the end of the year will return. King proclaims the fast. Everybody repents. God has mercy on everything in that city. 120,000. That's a lot of people, isn't it? I mean, that's a massive revival right there. And they're given time and opportunity to live it out. But they didn't hold on to that. Another prophet comes along Nahum, and basically says, you know, your, your number is up. And they eventually, you know, were destroyed. So if you were to turn to the, the description of, historically or biblically, of the judgment of the Assyrian people, you say, how horrible of God to do that. But you weren't around when they were persecuting God's people. You weren't around when they put fish hooks in God's people by the thousand and marched them out of their land. You weren't there when they used to bury them, leaving their head up above the ground and playing a form of polo with their heads. You weren't there when God's people were abused. And he relents, and he's patient. and he's, pa- he's patient even with the heathen. Some of you all know that firsthand. <laughs> Say it with me. He's patient with them heathens. And uh, so you open up the, the book and you go, well, obviously, you know, he's, 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 he's rude and crass and he's judgmental and there's no love in God. Except then you find out that he's been patient with these nations, sometimes hundreds and hundreds of years. He is slow, you understand, to, to invoke judgment. He's merciful, he's long-suffering. But you and I on the other side of the cross find out that when you sing Jesus, you sing the Father. And I don't know about the Jesus that religion teaches, or the religion of that denomination, or Jesus of that denomination, or the Jesus of that other denomination. But when I see Jesus, I don't see him inflicting anyone with disease. So to say that he is the inflictor of disease, because you never know what God's going to do, because at times in the Old Testament, you know, people ran into a wall. We're not talking about, you know, people that that were attacking God's people who didn't have a covenant with God. Having a covenant with God means everything. You don't see Jesus inflicting, you see Jesus releasing. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of what? The devil. That should tell us who the oppressor is and who the healer is. Let's go back to our felt board in first grade Sunday school. That should be so simple anybody can get it. You put, you put God on one side and the devil on one side and one is the oppressor and one is the healer. But I mean people get this religion pounded into them so deeply that they think that God is somehow using the tools of hell to teach them. Why did I say all that? If you just stop at Genesis 1 and you look at what it must have been like to live in the garden, what would you have found? No lack. No war. No COVID. No destruction. No disease. No death. No sorrow. No pain. No sickness. That is not God's plan. That's you might say it this way, that's not God's will. Now you fast forward to when they did this, and the blessing that was given to them was compromised because of sin. And now we know the curse is in the earth. Now write this down if you still don't have this in your mind. The blessing is the empowerment to succeed, the curse is the empowerment to fail. You'll find people try to live without God. They may succeed financially. They will succeed in this area. But you watch their lives carefully, objectively, and you'll see that on balance, they're failures. Why? Because they're living underneath the curse. Just because you've been redeemed from the curse doesn't mean your neighbor has been. Go a little closer to home. That doesn't mean that somebody in your extended family is necessarily living under the blessing just because... You are. It's very, very real. But there's only one way to succeed in every area of life and overcome everything the devil throws at you. We don't live in a bubble here. The Bible says that uh, in this world you will have what? But be of good cheer. There's no reason for a Christian to get depressed when Jesus said, Be what? Be of good cheer in response to the trouble. Be of good cheer because I have overcome. The world. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord does what? Delivers them out of it. Now, a lot of people religiously stop before they get to the second part of that verse. Amen. And what does that but do? It erases everything that came before. It cancels what came before it. In other words, we don't live in a bubble. But you and I have a savior. You and I have a deliverer. You and I have a healer. You and I have a restore. You and I are on the right side of this thing. Aren't you glad you're a believer? So watch this. The blessing was given in Genesis 1. The blessing was lost in Genesis chapter 3. If you have never heard this, let me just sow this into your spirit. What the gospel really is, it's the gospel or the good news of the blessing. The blessing given, the blessing lost, and then the blessing restored. Say that with me. The blessing given the blessing lost, blessing lost, and the blessing restored. blessing restored. If you just make it about sin, you're just making God's actions about one dimension. And it's not just about one dimension. When he saves us, he saves us body, soul, and spirit. You may not have your glorified body, but it's, we're not done yet. Some of y'all wish you'd hurry up, you know. <laughs> but hallelujah. We understand that. He's not just going to, you know, deal with us spiritually. In eternity, you and I are are restored in every single area of our lives. The blessing uh, given, the blessing cost us or or compromised because of sin, and the blessing restored through what Jesus did. Now, go to that verse in, in Galatians and look at this because it's something that you never want to get too far from it in your thinking, and you don't want to rely just on memory. Um, how many understand the steak and the potatoes that you ate last week are not nourishing you today? A lot of people, well, I remember that verse, I know what it is. I don't have to look it up, I don't have to put my eyes on, I don't have to read it, I don't have to do this stuff because I know what it is. You're missing the point. If you're going to eat, you have to eat with every gait. Come on, say it, my ear gate my eye gate, my mouth gate. Listen, when, when the pastor of this church asks you to confess things and repeat things, it's not because I'm bored and it's not because I'm about to break out my Lutheran robe and revert. There is a method to our madness, hallelujah, that you hear and that you see and that you also proclaim out of your own mouth. You, your spirit hearing you say these things Not for my health, it's for your health. Hallelujah. And in Galatians 3, if you look at this, I want to I guess we'll just start about verse 10 to be fine. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Takes us back to Genesis 1 and the violation we see in Genesis 3. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. How are we justified, church? By faith. By faith. How is everyone justified? How is Abraham justified? By faith. People think there's a dual salvation mode or method in Scripture. Nonsense. If you don't get saved by faith, I don't care under which covenant you live, you don't get saved. It's just that you and I happen to have more revelation and understanding about it because of the, the season that we live in and what side of the cross we live in. But Abraham was credited righteousness not because he was what? A law keeper. Can anybody tell me why that's not true? He didn't even have the law to keep. Came about four hundred years later, but he did have faith. You see this? What is faith? Faith comes by hearing. hearing. Hear about? Did he hear and obey? Did he hear and listen to the Lord? Yes. yes, he did. We understand that. Well, read on. The righteous will live by faith. Now you should remember that that is mentioned four times in Scripture. Four times must be important. Amen. The righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of what? The curse that came from violating what? The law. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Now the question is, why? Why the cross? Why the torture? Why the pain? Why the, why the mystery of the incarnation? Why did God go through all of these great things? How many understand that God demonstrated his love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? But was, it, was sin the target, or was there something more on his radar? There's something even beyond that. It's not just the sin thing, it's what sin cost us. Sin cost us our our eternity, our right standing, our peace. Every good thing God designed for you and for me was compromised by sin, and we can't go around blaming poor old Adam and Eve. Because you and I have done the same thing. We like to think that if we were in the garden, <clears throat> if it had been me, I'd have surely done it differently. Well, probably not. And if you hadn't have blown it then, he would have blown us some other time. But the reality is that it's not in keeping law or procedures or processes or stipulations that we're saved. It's in believing. That's the duty of the believer. But watch this. He redeemed us from what? From the curse in order for the purposes of that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. You see this? It could have just said he redeemed us so that the price of sin could be paid and we can live with God forever. But that's not what Pauline Doctrine of Salvation teaches. Pauline Doctrine teaches us that it is a blessing-centric message. It is the gospel of the blessing. It's the restoration of the blessing. And in that blessing are all the things. We can break them down one by one and just remind you. But he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus for it's by faith we what? We receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Everybody right, say praise God. How many of you believe that when you experience the new birth the Holy Spirit comes in to live inside of you? How many of you still believe there is a subsequent and separate experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit and God empowers you to serve him and live this life? Do you still believe that? Yes, what's going on is he is creating the well in the new birth and he is filling the well with the baptism. And part and parcel here, understand that you want to know what the essence of the blessing is. The essence is the Holy Ghost. So I don't care if you run into people making fun of you or don't understand these things. Let me tell you something. When the Spirit of God begins to move across this land, He is not going to get permission from boards of deacons. He's not going to get permission from church elders. He's going to touch individual hearts and lives and families. And He's not going to try to get ecclesiastical approval for it. Say it with me. The new birth birth. is the well. well. The Holy Ghost Ghost. is the content. the content. the The blessing. Uh, we understand this from uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Just turn over there real quickly. I mean, you believe it's if we're not where we need to be, it's a good time to get where we need to be. Ephesians chapter 1. I guess look at verse thirteen, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of glory. Uh, I mean, it's hard to think this way, but uh, you know, the, the Holy Spirit in you is just a deposit. <laughs> Um, there is much that God has for you and for me. So what does that mean? It means that by his spirit, everything that you and I need for victory and everything people that would possibly draw from your well need for victory, it's there. That's all there. Turn to the and tell them it's all there. If you're born again. Now, you know, typically in America on Wednesday night, you know, unbelievers don't stumble into a service like this. But if you're not right with God, you can have your well tonight opened. You can walk in here right with God. You can walk out of here. You can ask him to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and he can fill you to the gills. Uh, but that's, that's, the, that's the key. This is something that relates to those that are actually... Believers. So he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles by faith. Why did he go to the cross? All right. Let's stop right here and go back to the felt board. Little felt board. Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins. Let's, let's don't look at the, the heritage and the legacy Let's not look at the prophets. Let's not look at what the Word says in Genesis 1. Let's just go straight to the felt board. 1970, United States of America, rule of America. There is a first grade of Sunday school class with a felt board, and there's Jesus. He died for our sins. And that is what people are taught in this country. And once they make up their mind, that's the end of the story. There's not much that you can help them with. And that's where they come up with all the things pejorative to say about all the benefits of that covenant and of that wealth. If you say anything pertaining to the benefits of God, the blessing of God, other than the forgiveness of sins, people will tune you out because they have a Sunday school felt board theology of salvation. Well, I refuse to live off of a 1970s felt board. I want to know what happened before. And I want to know what he's doing right now. And I want to remember that the word tells you why he died. Religion says it was just to die for your sins. His death was to deal with what was blocking the blessing. And what was blocking the blessing was what? Sin. You should be happy right now because he has dealt with the sin. For the believer who's repented and given their life to him, he has dealt with a sin issue. And the curse is gone, so what does that leave? The blessing. Scripture tells us in Genesis 12 God said to Abraham, I will bless you and what? And make you what? A blessing. Listen to this from the ESV and I'll make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now, all you have to do is just follow his life a little bit after his encounter with God and see what happened to him. God blessed him in every dimension. You don't have a son? i give you one. You don't have a family? I'll increase you. You don't have resources? I'll make you very wealthy. I'll take care of you. I'll bless you all the days of your life and I'll do the same thing with your son, with your grandsons, all the way down to the present day. I'll take care of you. In other words, the blessing touched every aspect of his life. Felt bored. The only reason he came was to get you forgiveness of sins and now you can sit here and sing kumbaya and have chicken dinners till Jesus comes. And in the meantime, the people in this country are starving off of wells that are polluted, corrupted, or empty. Because he never designed for people just to what? Just to get saved, get forgiven, and one day go to heaven. There's a job to do. And what you see in Scripture are God's people just fanning out. When the persecution hit, they'd found out. And everywhere they go, there were wells for people, and people would drink. And lives would be changed. How fast does it take for you and for me to get with the program? You know, Jesus talked to the woman at the well. Amen? Uh, he says, you drink of this water, you'll what? You'll never thirst from, from this well. Uh, the water, the well is deep and you don't have anything to get it with. And so you wanting to move forward on the well. Well, the Lord first says, you call your husband. Hmm. That right there tells you that this Western doctrine that God doesn't care about the sin in your life, that all he cares about is tolerance, is patently wrong. There is no drinking from the well if you won't deal with a repentance issue. I, don't, I, I, I really don't have a husband right now. Well said. You've had how many? <laughs> and the one you have right now Is not. Well, Jesus doesn't care about Christians shacking up like the world. you got to find out if you're sexually compatible. Well, that's not coming from the doctrine of Jesus. If you'll just look at that one story, you will know that Jesus is not in favor of what people were doing among his people in these areas. But you'd be amazed today. Well, we know that something powerful happened in our life. (laughs) Could you imagine going into the village? Come see a man that told me, everything i ever did and i never gone he told you everything you did <laughs> how long did that take <laughs> that must have been a long conversation with your, with your life the way it has been but it's it strikes you to me because it didn't take her long to go from having a well being saved to being a well how long we've been saved one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, and about time we started being the well. He, Jesus is not here physically. You and I are his body, and the blessing has been restored. And guess what? Everything is in there that you need. You are empowered to succeed. You are empowered to bear much fruit. You're empowered to increase. You're empowered to excel. You are empowered to do everything you're assigned to do. It's in there. Everything you need, all the fruit of the Spirit, all the gifts of the Spirit, the sevenfold Spirit, everything you need, the power of the gifts, the dunamis, the peace of God, the life of God, it's all in there. New birth prepared, a chalice for the, for the things of the Spirit, the living water, and it is there. And it starts with this. The first key is understanding that, knowing that, and believing that. That's what I've said from the beginning of this little series, that I can talk about it, but the Spirit of God's got to talk to you. The Father's got to open up your eyes and show you that you're literally the well. Because you've been trained as a Western Christian that the guy on the platform is the well. The traveling minister is the well. The revival site is the well. Turn to somebody and say, no, actually you are the well. That paradigm shift is going to revolutionize this nation. Because it's no longer going to be, hey, come to this great revival. Brother, so-and-so is there. The fire of God is falling. People are falling out. People are getting healed." Praise the Lord. Come here. Come here. Come here. No, it's about you going, not coming to a well and drinking. I mean, I said it before. You and I are already found Albert spiritually. I mean, we're waddling around, waddling into church, waddling out of church, squishing, squish, 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 squish. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, you know, people out there are dying of thirst. And you have it all. Say it with me. I have everything in me that they need right now. Who put it in you? He did. The blessing's been restored. Say it, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Proverbs 11.25 says this, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Listen to this from the ESV. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. Wow. What's my job? Say it with me, I'm blessed. My job is to people who don't know him or people who don't have revelation of all that he offers and some area of their life is deficient, they don't understand. My job is to bring the blessing. You and I are blessing bringers. We are not condemnation bringers. We are not judgment bringers. We are not, amen, curse bringers. We are blessing bringers. We can't bring the curse because we're not cursed. When we get around people, we are blessing bringers. Come on, say, I am a blessing bringer. That's what's in the well. What else could be there? He redeemed me in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Well, I'm one of them, so are you. So therefore, what's on the inside of me now is the blessing. He goes on to say in that particular verse, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and who waters will himself be watered. Uh, if I give out what's going to happen to me, a funny thing will happen. If you will dedicate yourself the rest of your days to being in a well, he will keep you full and overflowing. It's, it's, it's when we just take, 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 take that we get stagnant. And understand, we're not saying God didn't care about that stuff. We made it very, very plain about the provision and the promises of God and what the blessing brings to your life. Uh, but now it's about, hey, there are other people out there that are, that are thirsty. Uh, keep believing God in your own life, but now use your faith that others would drink. Say, well, that's a big responsibility. I'm open up to the task. Well, you are. You're made in his image. The blessing has been given to you. Amen? When God looks at you, he sees you righteous. Amen? But some of y'all need to be delivered from that felt board version of Christianity. What am I saying? It didn't go far enough. If you're raised in a non-evangelical church, you weren't even taught about the new birth. Could you, be, uh, could you imagine growing up in church and you not even qualified to be the well. Because all you are is a church member or a religious. And then some people who grew up evangelically you know, were told about the new birth, and that's it. That's, it, that's where it stops. But how you understand it didn't stop there? You know, How old were you when you found out about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Where were you when the, when the truth about the Holy Spirit came through? Come on, say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Say it again, say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Three days shy of my high school graduation. All my life, I knew nothing. I was, I was very much like those Ephesian believers in Acts chapter 19. We hadn't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. <laughs> because when they got to it in the church readings, they just went on down the road. No commentary, no teaching, no nothing. Can't bring that up, particularly on Sunday morning service. So we're just left to our own ways and our own knowledge. And if we didn't read the Bible, which most of us didn't, but not quite 18, I stumbled onto the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 12. And the reality of the Holy Spirit. And it was life changing. Why? Because um, suddenly I find out there's more to it. And then we have people who were born again and their spirit filled, but in their mind, that's all there is. Look at somebody and say, that's not all there is. God's riches are unfathomable. There's no way to, to exhaust the depth of what He has. And it's continuing in His presence and His Word, you continue to receive. The eye-opening conviction is not negative. All it means is opening up your eyes. Say it with me. Conviction means? means. My eyes are open. open. Could be to sin if you're in sin, but could also be to revelation you don't fully comprehend or understand. So I began to to read Brother Osteen's book, John Osteen's book, Receive You the Holy Ghost, who God used to lead thousands and thousands into the uh, baptism of the Holy Ghost that were evangelical, mostly Baptists. I read that little book. That's the first teaching I ever saw about this. But my what? My eyes were open. And when your eyes get open to something, you want it. So my sister said, you know what? Do you want this in your life? Would you like me to pray for it? I'm like, yeah. And I'm fortunate that I didn't grow up in a church that taught against these things. It's much more to overcome when somebody pounds you. These things are of the devil. These things have passed away. I didn't have that experience. I just was kind of a blank slate. So when my eyes were open, I thought, dear God, have we been missing it. Missing out on the goodness of God. And I was instantly, radically saved, you know, instantly baptized in the Holy Ghost that night, a little later on. And, uh, you know, my, my brother joked to one of my good friends because they noticed to change immediately. Everybody say immediately. immediately. For one thing, to show you about, come on, say it with me, everything, everything. that pertains. So the blessing, through the Holy Spirit, is in there. Uh, now I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, I was also healed. Amen. Two years dealt with, with not just a case of mono, but chronic mono and infections that lasted a long time. And it all ended that night. It wrecked other areas of my life. It, it certainly caused... Uh, you know some issues, but it ended that night. That's why I'm telling you that that in in Him is that healing touch. Yes. And some people that believe, you know, uh, yeah. Well, you don't know, never know what God's going to do. He saves some, He did not save others. He heals some, He doesn't heal others. Listen, what you have to do is just believe what the Word of God says. And in that blessing, in the person of the Holy Spirit, is everything people need. And some of y'all are going to just be in shock and awe when you actually just take God at his word and lay your hands over there in the fresh produce section of Kroger and lay your hands on somebody and they spit up a tumor or grow a hand. You'll be driving over back to the church shaking like a leaf and walking in the door. And... I thought in my life that God would use me. Why wouldn't he use you? I'll tell you why you think God wouldn't use you, because you're holding on to the felt board. Let the professionals do that. Let those people over there. Let the pastors do it. Let the missionaries do Let the you know, apostles do it and the prophets and the teachers. You know, let them do it. That's what their job is. They're the well. What a bill of goods the body of Christ has been sold by the devil. Listen to me. Deactivated millions of believers looking for someone else to be the well. When all the time, guess what? The kingdom of God is within you. Come on, say it. The kingdom of God is within me. It's all there. Somebody needed a deliverance, it's there. A healing, it's there. Forgiveness, it's there. A revelation of righteousness, it's there. Compassion, it's there. Support when they're going through a tough time, it's there. A word of God in due season, it is there. Amen. Whatever they need. Huge shift coming in the body of Christ. I've prophesied about it for years. You've heard me say it on many occasions. This is not a revival or move of God of the platform. It's a move of God in and through the people of God. Say it, I'm the well. Well, what's your job? Does that make you all superfluous? (laughs) Irrelevant? No. We're the train. We're to equip. Say it with me. I'm the well. Everything I need and everyone else needs, God has put there by His Spirit. I have the blessing so I can be a blessing. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad you're saved? Amen. Amen. Tell somebody else again, you're a tall drink of water. Yes, you are. Listen, what I want you just to do is just close your eyes right now. And I just want you to thank him that he has opened your eyes to the need for salvation. He has opened up your eyes to righteousness. He's opened up your eyes to who he is. He's opened up your eyes to the new birth, to the baptism. He's given you so much. Just lift your voice up right now. Come on, let's just thank him all over this place. Let's just praise him. Thank you, my Father. We give you glory, and we give you honor, we give you thanksgiving. You're a mighty Lord, what you do is mighty. We bless your holy name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. And if you're not right with him for some reason, just cry out to him right now and say, Father, I just repent. I ask you, Lord, to, to reveal yourself to me, afresh and anew. I make a fresh dedication of my life to you, Lord, to serve you, but also to serve those that you died for. Lord, to be that source, to be that well, to be that encouragement. Lord, to be that word in due season. Father, I bless you and I thank you and I honor you tonight. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for forgiveness. If you've been away from him in your heart, come home tonight. If you've been playing with the world, repent of that right now and just come on home in Jesus' name. Just make a decision. In your heart, turn your back on that nonsense and turn to Him. Walk with Him tonight. Live for Him tonight. Thank Him right now for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Bless Him right now. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. He didn't leave you empty. He just didn't save you and give you a witness so you can go to heaven one day. But He's there. He's there in abundance. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Not coming from somewhere to you, but flowing through you flowing in you, flowing through you, touching others. Thank you, my Father. Glory to God. We bless you and thank you for the Holy Ghost. We give you glory tonight and we give you praise for what you're doing. Thank you for the fruit. Thank you for the gifts. Thank you for the sevenfold spirit. Thank you for the power of God. Thank you for the peace of God. Thank you for the dunamis, Lord. Thank you for every good thing that's in there, Lord Jesus. Right now, Father, right now by faith, it's in us, Lord. It's dwelling there. It's abiding there. You're living water, Lord. Your spirit, that blessing, God. We thank you for it. Thank him right now for the blessing. I mean, come on with all your might. Thank him for the blessing. You've been redeemed from the curse. You've been redeemed from the power to fail. Now the power to succeed is there. Bless him and thank him and give him praise. You've been redeemed from the curse. Hallelujah. Thank him right now. The blessing has been restored in Christ. He redeems you in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles by faith. Hallelujah. You've been redeemed so the blessing would be restored. So it is restored, glory to God. The blessing's in your life right now. The blessing's in your life right now. Come on, stand on your feet and begin to declare it. The blessing is in my life right now. Blessed going in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the country. Everything you put your hand to prosperous. Glory to God. You're not looking for the well. You already found it. And now He's made you a well, a receptacle for His glory. Thank you, my Father. We bless you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Come on, cry out to Him right now and say, Father, open up my eyes to this truth. Open up my eyes like never before. Lord, I'm no longer going to sit in a classroom in my mind where I was only taught part of the gospel, a piece of the gospel. All I heard was about sin and forgiveness, but Lord, I understand. Everything that we need is in that gospel. Everything we need for now and the future is included. Open up my eyes. Help me to see that provision, Lord. Thank you, my Father. We give you glory. We give you glory, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. Father. Come on, ask Him right now. Father, open up my eyes so I have this revelation burned, impressed in my heart forever, forever changed. I make this shift tonight. I make the shift tonight. I'm not just a church attender or member. I'm not just forgiven going to heaven. I have in me the ability to impact people forever. It's not just Philip and it's not just Peter and it's not just Paul. It's me as well. I am like them, a mobile well for the glory of God. Great things in me, great things through me. In Jesus' name, glory to God. I love that scripture when Peter says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. In other words, at that moment, inside of you is the, is the ability to meet that need. That man does not need a, a momentary slice in time piece of change. He needs the power of God. Well, watch this. Such as I have. Right. Amen. Amen. Such as I have. Come on, say it. I got it. I got it. Come on, say it. I got it. Come on, say it. I got it. I got it. it. Such as I have. Watch this. No religious thing. Such as Jesus has who died for you. That should be understood. You and I are not the Savior. But he put the Spirit of God in Peter. And this fearful, impetuous act and talk and then think later, He preaches coming out of Pentecost when the well was filled to overflowing. Three thousand people get saved, and he's walking past the temple gate. Beautiful, you know, a mobile what well, such as I have, give I. You see that? Give I give I give you what I have. I share with you what I have. I draw and give you that cup. How powerful is it? I've never run the study about how long that man was there, but you know the teaching I've always heard and received is he spent decades there. And that day, he gets up, sleeping, praising, in front of all the people, everybody has saw it. There are people in this town, there are people in our community, there are people that everybody knows needs a touch of God. And they're going to get a touch of God. Amen. But they're not going to get it because they brought it to sister so-and-so's camp meeting or Brother So-and-So's, you know, faith meeting, or whoever's revival. We have been trained to look to others in locations for the well, but all the time, silver and have I none, but such as I have, give I you. what? It's in you too. I want you just to stop and think for a minute. The same spirit that was in Peter is in you right now. Let me try that again. The same spirit that was in Peter, is in you. He came out of the upper room baptized in the Holy Ghost. You were baptized in the Holy Ghost. The same spirit that was in Peter is in you. So whatever he had in him, you have in you. To do what? Praise the Lord, I'm going to heaven. No. No. Because there are beggars everywhere you look. Yes. Listen to me. They just look differently in America than they do in some parts of the world. There are a lot of Americans have have a, you know, money in the bank account and have a roof over their head, but they are beggars in other categories. Yes. So they don't look like beggars to us. But I promise you, when they get next to somebody who is filled and overflowing they're instantly going to to recognize I may have some things going for me, but the most important things I don't have. Get used to people just rapping on you saying, you know what? Tell me something about Jesus. Tell me something about the Holy Ghost. I see the light in your eyes. I see the victory and the peace in your step. Tell me something. And you can tell them just like Philip did with the Ethiopian. Amen? If it was in Peter, then it's in you. Come on, say, it is in me. And so what God is just telling us to do is, is to respond in prayer to these teachings, to respond in your heart. Say, I take this. It's, it's mine in Jesus' name. Come on, say it. I lay hold of it. I take it. That same spirit that was in Peter. It's in you. How powerful was it? We don't know all the stories, but we do know at one point people would lay the infirmed in the street because somehow they got the idea that if the shadow of Peter hit them, now what I'm thinking is it must have happened for people to do that. Yes. Could God meet them at that point of contact? Yes. Think about it. what's going to happen when people get in your shadow. It's the same spirit. Felt bored one on one. God only does that through super apostles like Peter. Listen, there was nothing super about Peter. He was just a Simon who was transformed by the same spirit of God. He was not the same when he came out of the upper room. Amen. Say it one more time, The same spirit is in Spirit. is in Peter is in me. Amen. Hallelujah, We need to go beggar hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah, come on. We need to go beggar hunting. You know? Where else is that anointing needed? I'm telling you, they may not be on the street holding the blanket, but they're still beggars. Something is missing from their life. Amen.